0: The CPHI podcast series.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the CPHI podcast series. I'm Lucy Chard, digital editor for CPHI Online, and this week I'm joined by Matthew Wise from CCD Partners. Matthew is the head of data at CCD Partners, which is a strategic consultancy dedicated to chemicals and life sciences industries. Matthew and the CCD Partners team created a bespoke watchlist for the startup market at CPHI Barcelona, aiming to highlight and raise the profile of the most innovative and disruptive companies in the programme. He's a data specialist focused on market mapping and acquisition searches within the chemicals and life sciences spaces, with experience spanning over 15 projects. Matthew and I have worked together a lot over the last couple of months, discussing the startup space in the pharma industry particularly in leading up to our annual event for CPHI, which took place this October in Barcelona. In this podcast, we're speaking about the event, which for the first time held a specific area for startup companies, something that is particularly applicable to the Catalan region as a leading area for innovation in pharma and healthcare. We also aim to discuss what this startup market means for the companies involved. Thank you so much for joining me today, Matthew. It's great to have you on the podcast. So let's just go over what we both thought about CPHI Barcelona this year. What were you most interested in in attending CPHI Barcelona?
0: So for us, CPHI Barcelona and CPHI in general is a really important event. We're a strategic consultancy that's specialised in life sciences. So for us, having somewhere we can go to be able to speak to all of our contacts and colleagues uh, in one place, is always really helpful. So I think that was the core of it, really, being able to go and meet with executives from a wide number of companies and industries, and also to meet some of our own colleagues, because we're, we're a global company with advisors dotted around. So there's not very many options. We can all sit in a room together in person and be able to talk about the event and trends within the sector.
1: Mm, yeah, that's great. It's definitely a great place for everyone to come together and uh, a brilliant excuse to catch up with colleagues. And I always think it's quite nice just to be able to go out for dinner and things like that, even with your team aside from uh, the working day, which is always good fun. Absolutely. <laughs> so you did a lot of work with us prior to the show about the startup market. We had the distributor watch list. What were your key highlights from the startup market at, on the actual show floor? And What, what did you think of it?
0: So I thought the startup market was great. I thought what was particularly good was it had a really big physical presence. So it was right in the middle of the hall, which it was in Hall 3, which is the center of the one in Barcelona. And it meant that a lot of people could walk through. And even if they hadn't gone to actively look for the startup market, it was always there. The real benefit behind this is The startup market was created to raise the platform and the visibility of the startups there. So I think having something there where people can physically go and see all the machines and the props which people had, speak to the the founder CEOs was really a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, like you say, having having it right there in the middle of that hall, you couldn't help but walk through it. And it was very eye-catching as well. So I think it really drew people to it, even if they didn't necessarily intend to go there originally it was great to to happen upon it and i think that helped a lot and i think that seemed to i think the startups had a lot of footfall um and traffic from that which is really really brilliant
0: and also it was segregated into a section for some that are looking for investors and some that are looking for customers which was a very useful separation we found anyway because then we could tailor who we speak to and how we speak to them because if someone's seeking investors or someone seeking a a new customer then typically they're thinking about looking at different things and have a have a different mindset at that point so i thought that was a nice a nice touch as well
1: so what do you think about how valuable having a space like this the startup market at an event like CPHI Barcelona on like the world stage of pharma uh, how valuable is that for for big pharma companies midsize and startups and what makes it so unique
0: Yeah, the real benefit is giving them a platform to be visible. CPHI, as you all know, is a huge event, 2,000-plus exhibitors, tens and tens of thousands of people there, and it's very easy even for a big mid-sized company to get lost within all of the hustle and bustle that's going on. Mm -hmm. So I think having that space where you could really see or where people could see the true innovation behind the startups was good, but on the flip side, for the larger companies who are looking for potential new suppliers or customers or maybe even acquisition targets, it's a really good way to demonstrate all of the innovation that goes on. Because if you're looking for, say, a new technology, maybe a small to mid-sized company, new ideas, new developments, they may get lost within someone's stand there. So having a like an innovation hub was there, which is good for both, yeah, people seeking it and people providing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think we, like I mentioned earlier, that we published the Disruptor watch list with CCD. What do you think went well with having the watch list uh, in terms of like prior to the show? Do you think a lot of people appreciated that? And do you think that helped support the startups on the show floor?
0: Yes, I hope so. And I think so. We at CCD, we provide and create these sector-specific reports called watch lists, and they're designed to highlight and celebrate smaller companies in the space that are sort of flying under the radar of larger companies in the space. So we've done one, for example, on preclinical CROs for pharma, and this time was for the startup market. So I think in this process, we, me and the team interview the leadership, so often the founder, CEO, we create a profile on them and then we distribute this in the form of a booklet or brochure to our network of companies. So I think the startups, they benefited from exposure because we put this on our website and also distributed it to our networks. And also on the day, we were there making connections and contacts with the startups themselves and hopefully having access through us to our network of companies gives them opportunities to grow and may lead into potential partnerships in the future.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. And that's sort of the aim of CPHI as well in terms of having the startups there. We're hoping to enable connections and give a bit of more of a platform so that these companies have more of a chance to, to build and get those names out there.
0: Exactly because we're at any one time we're often talking to quite a few different parties so it, it's a good way for us to combine all of the knowledge so if we hear about someone's looking for a certain technology and we happen to interview this person during the startup um, watch list process yeah. then we can we can work to connect the dots and hopefully it's uh, it's beneficial to everyone.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, did you have any particular, when you were doing the research for the watch list, did you have any particular startups that you personally stood out for you and that you thought were were really interesting? And then did you manage to meet and catch up with them in Barcelona?
0: Yes, there were quite a few. And I would say one, for example, that I thought was um, particularly Innovative, and it's something which I hadn't really heard of before. So that's, I think, why it sticks in my memory. It was a company called Revolution, and they're they're a German-based company, and they do sustainable refrigeration solutions. So typically, your refrigerants they are toxic and petroleum-based, but these ones were water-based, and it's a very large market, and it's one which um, I hadn't. Looks into in much detail so I thought it was very interesting meeting the team learning more about what they do and finding other companies that are doing similar or acting within up or down uh, in the value chain.
1: Yeah no that sounds really interesting that seems like as well something that would come into play or is something again I hadn't really considered I suppose since uh, but in the pandemic we had a lot of there was a lot of discussion about around refrigeration in terms of transport and things in terms of getting the vaccine across to different countries and stuff like that so that's yeah sounds like a very important topic that i think most people do overlook so yeah that's brilliant okay so how do you think that including that was a prime example really but how do you think startups and other innovative biotechs are going to help to shape the pharma industry in the coming years
0: so it's a Obviously, a very difficult question to answer. There's many sources of innovation all up and down the pharma value chain. But I think as a as a horizontal that runs all the way through the, the value chain, I think technology and AI, I think, is a, a very important point. And this is obviously very common in a variety of sectors. But for pharma, I think there's still some processes that are quite manual and they're prone to manual error. So, for example, we were speaking to a company that creates the software and the machinery to identify defects in pills and delivery systems and things like this, and it can have an accuracy rate that is much, much higher than what a person could do. It's these type of AI-based or machine learning-based technologies that I think really could help advance how drugs are developed, but also help... People ultimately, because if you've got fewer defective pills and things like this going into the market, then that is obviously a win for everyone.
1: Yeah, that has uh, a lot of knock-on benefits, doesn't it? Really, it reduces waste. so It becomes more sustainable. It's a lot more efficient. Yeah, there's uh, endless benefits to that. That's uh, that's brilliant. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be a big field. And I mean, AI technology has been it's been around for decades uh, in pharma and things like that, but just it's really coming into its own in the last couple of years and I think people are trusting it more and a bit more excited about what we can do with it which um so I think I agree that's a that's a good area that's going to be yeah very very fun to follow
0: (laughs) yeah and I think that it's also very prevalent in the discovery process Mm. because traditionally you've got a lot of wet labs so scientists performing these experiments in lab but as you said well that there's more trust trust of AI and these type of technologies there's a lot more model-based discovery where uh, it's all done in silico so that carries a lot more weight than it used to and I think this will continue to, to continue to grow and it will never completely replace all of the, the wet labs and the chemistries but I think As that develops, it'll become a very good partner.
1: Yeah, hopefully we can use it to its full potential. That'd be very good for the industry. Mm.
0: Yes. So
1: how can we help to encourage investment in this area? I know we're giving startups a platform and a space such as at CPHI is obviously a good starting point, but there's so much more I feel like we could do. So how could we help startups attract investment and meet customers and things like that? What more could we do?
0: As you said, I think providing them a place to meet and a starting point like the startup hub is is a really great first step. But I think for startups, they need to make sure they create a lot of noise. So whether that's on social media, whether that's offline channels, going to conferences, shaking people's hands, things like this, because there's obviously an awful lot of startups around the world and making sure people know how great your technology is and making sure you're you stand out as one of the leaders in your niche, I think is very important. So if that's almost the first point where you create the noise. The second point is the meeting area, like we discussed. And then the third point is getting people to talk to each other in the right language. And a lot of what we do is we act as a broker, essentially, between financial institutions and industry companies. What we find is, especially with young companies and ones that are university spin outs or corporate spin outs, their leaders, so the CEOs, managing directors, are often the people who invented the technology. Therefore, they're able to speak with a very high level of detail, which is excellent and you need that going forward. But for the first, um, the first interaction, sometimes the venture capital funds or the private equity firms, they're looking for much broader things. What markets can it sit into? What's your USP? What's the growth potential of your market rather than the specificities of the technology? Yeah. So I think having some way to coach the two parties, to be able to effectively speak to one another, Thing is, a very important part of the deal making process.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because, yeah, in those sort of early funding investment rounds, that's, yeah, as you say, that's what the venture capitals are looking for. They're looking for broader business models and things like that, rather than they sort of focus slightly more on those sort of details a bit later. But it's also very, very valuable having the founders and things there, I think, for the venture capitals and just having that background too. But like you said, it, it would be great if, uh, you combine those those sort of things to, and have have those valuable conversations with with the right people as well in the same room. That's a really good point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you need a balance because um, obviously you need the detail at some point. Is having an idea that hasn't got any technical basis won't fly with the investors. But likewise, having a having a very great idea that hasn't got much commercial benefit also won't fly. So it's uh, finding that middle ground and. A way to make sure both parties see see the benefit from the investment.
1: So, do you think that we'll be able to continue doing something like this at CPHI in the future, and CCD will be keenly interested in um, looking for this? How this is going to continue in the future?
0: Absolutely. So, we we really enjoyed doing this type of work. In partnership with startup market in barcelona so in milan it's a lot bigger so hopefully there'll be more companies more interesting people to speak to and we can have a lot more conversations about new types of innovation that will arise and these type of things
1: yeah should be quite exciting (laughs) absolutely thank you again to matthew for coming on the podcast with me to give an overview of why getting to know startups is so important especially at shows like CPHI Barcelona, and how we, in our respective roles, can lend a hand from an outside perspective and help to facilitate partnerships all across the pharma value chain, and ultimately to encourage innovation and progress in the field. If you're interested in learning more about the startup initiatives and companies, please see the disruptor watchlist Watch List from CCD Partners and CPHI Online, And also make sure to look into some opportunities we have for startups coming up in 2024 with the launch of CPHI North America startup program, which you can find more information about on our website, cphionline.com. Thank you again all so much for listening and I will see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the CPHI podcast series. For pharmaceutical news, webinars, events and more, visit cphionline.com.